Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast. I am, as always, Matt Levy, and I am joined by my co-host of co-hosts, Mike Staub. How are you, Mike? Hey, hey, Matt. How's it going? I'm ready to have a smashing good time. A smashing good time. He went right with the pun on the first line. And got to. You got to. Who else is going to do it? That's, that's true. You don't want me that's to do it. That's my job. You do not want me to do it. So, yes, guys, we're here and we're talking about the real Smash Brothers because we talked about Smash 64. But that. Mike, that's more of a proof of concept. Are we right? Yeah, I think I think with Smash Brothers 64 and Smash Brothers Melee, there's a reason why they came out two years apart. There's a reason why Melee came out two years after Smash Brothers. I think it's mostly because Melee is where they kind of figured out what the series and what the game was. Like Smash Brothers today is much more similar to Melee than it is today to um, the original Smash Brothers. And if you actually try to go back and play the original Smash Brothers, it's it's a little alien. It feels a little alien to me uh, because I think it's just, it's very difficult to uh, understand. The original Smash Brothers was a smaller game. There were fewer characters. Your, your movement was a little different. It was a little floatier. But by the time you get to Melee, that's when it becomes more of this kind of really kind of tight, wacky platforming fighting game where it became a lot more competitive. It was a lot less, it was a lot less casual, even though Smash in general has a casual nature to it based on the amount of characters. But it's one of those things where Melee is probably the most hardcore of these games. But I think it it definitely feels like what they were trying to do on the N64 version they were able to achieve with melee. That's what and, I that's and, how I feel about it. And my question is, I wonder with Smash 64, did they even know at that point? Did they think, hey, this will just be a casual, fun, ridiculous, silly concept? Because that's what it was originally. I think someone yeah. came to them with this crazy idea. I don't even know if they knew what they had on their hands. And then with melee, you're right, it brought in this hardcore audience becomes it came this fast-paced, strategic, balanced fighter. But I even wonder if that's even what they had planned. Maybe. I don't know. I think they just planned to make a game that sold a lot of copies. And Sakurai has been with the series since the beginning. He's also the creator of Kirby, which is why Kirby's always been kind of an integral part of the Smash Brothers games. HAL Laboratory, obviously, the company that makes her uh, Kirby founded, not founded, but Satoru Iwata was a, a very important figure with the HAL Laboratory as a Sakurai. So... This it's weird because Smash Brothers is like how Laboratory isn't a they're not like a second party developer. They're technically independent, but they just have at a this great point working relationship with Nintendo. People just yeah. think of them as Nintendo. Uh-huh. But it's interesting, Mike. Smash 64. We talked about it on this podcast, and I think you said it best. Now you said it's a hard game to go back and play today. Yeah, but Smash Melee you could play today. And yes, the graphics are not as sharp as Brawl or the Wii U or even Ultimate for that matter, but it's still a game that plays really well today. Yeah, I mean, it's it's there are people that will tell you that this is the only Smash Brothers game that ever, ever truly existed because right. there are a lot of players and not not I'm not trying to say that that's a bad thing, but there are plenty of players that never really moved past uh, Melee. Like, even if they play the new games, Melee is still the game that they play competitively. There is still a very active Super Smash Brothers Melee scene. It's one of those things where it's still very, very relevant in uh, 2022, which is 20 to 21 years after this game originally released. And it's it. I understand it because when you wait seven years for Brawl to come out, and Brawl isn't very good. It kind of it kind of solidifies how good Smash Melee was. Now, I think the original Smash Brothers has 12 characters in it, if I'm not wrong. I think it has Correct. 12 characters. 
And I think Melee doubles that or gets it to like 25 or 26. I think if you count Sheik and, yep. and Zelda as two separate characters, which I think they kind of do, but I'm not 100% sure. So we double the roster. I mean, the roster is still nowhere near as big as it is for Ultimate, but we double the roster. We had a lot more of Nintendo history there with the characters. We mix up the meta, kind of mix up the entire way the game plays. And like, there are plenty of people that probably only they have a GameCube and this is the only game they have for it because this is the game that you've been playing for 20 years. And I think it's just one of those things where, like you said, it's very strategic. It's very, it's very fast paced. It's very competitive. And the only way to play Smash Brothers the right way, uh, Smash Brothers Melee the right way is on a GameCube with a GameCube controller and a CRT TV. And I'm pretty sure that Super Smash Brothers Melee players like drive around the country with tube TVs in their trunks because you never know where if you go to a tournament, whether or not uh, they're going to have the right the right setup for you. And to its credit, Smash Brothers Melee is clearly the Smash Brothers game because Every Smash Brothers game after Smash Brothers Melee needs to work with the GameCube controller, which has essentially become the Smash Brothers controller. I think now the GameCube controller has graduated to be the Smash Brothers controller. It's like its unique arcade stick. And it's one of those things where this is how you play the series. You play it with the with the with the GameCube controller. Now I I use a pro controller when I play Ultimate. But I know for a lot of people, Melee and the Smash Brothers controller, the controller's got to be a little broken to work properly so you can get all your glitches and all your, whatever they call them, uh, mechanics or features, right? Like wave dashing actually existed in the game. Come on, guys. Well, you know, you, you dove into so many excellent points, Mike. And that's why I love talking about these games with you because you always hit on things that you, you pull them out of my mind. And the GameCube controller, and you have to bring up the GameCube controller when talking about this game. And not only that, but the WaveBird. Now, people that played with Wavebird, and if you were playing against someone wired, that was like, you're at a disadvantage. And the Wavebird was a fantastic controller, but you had to be playing Wavebird versus Wavebird if you wanted to be on an even playing field. But the GameCube controller, you said it. When the Wii came out, they had to put GameCube ports in because it was backwards compatible with GameCube. But then following that with the Wii U and now the Switch, we've gotten a GameCube adapter specifically for smash brothers play it's not for any other reason well when smash brothers sells millions upon millions of copies and like it's going to be one of the biggest selling games in the console you're going to do what you can do to make sure the audience and the fan base is happy and they can use their gamecube controllers that they've broken over the past 20 years and it's one of those things where it's just it's just it's part of the culture it's so weird how this game has its own specialized controller at this point and it's still getting played. I remember when I first went to college uh, at Hofstra in 2004, I became part of the gamer club because every, we were gamers and that's what you did. And I remember going down to like the game room and like I actually stopped going to game club because the only game the gamers would play in game club was Super Smash Brothers Melee. And I got so tired of it so quickly that I just was like, all right, I'm moving on. I can go home and play Street Fighter or Capcom versus SNK2 or Marvel versus Capcom or Halo or any of that stuff. Like, I don't need to play Super Smash Brothers Melee only all the time. And honestly, that's kind of how this game continues to be. It's one of those things where it was, it, it was like a phenomenon and it never went away. And there are a few fighting games that people are still playing in this form. Like I know there are still people who play street fighter two. And I remember like super street fighter two ultra, whatever ultra super street fighter two, like the final mix was definitely getting played for a while by people, but like smash brothers melee still has an active community and a vocal community and a usually kind of upset community because for years, Nintendo has kind of not supported the community. And that's a bit of a shame. That's a bit of a shame because I think there is something here for players. And yeah, I understand where, well, you're not buying the new game. So why do we care? It's like, well, these are your people, right? These are the people that are playing your game. And people have went as far to, I think, homebrew on the Wii, this game where they've added all sorts of characters and changed so many different things. This game has such a loyal following. And I think what's important, what you said, Mike, is probably only a handful of games. You can probably count on one or two hands that are competitive games that are still played decades later. And this is one of them. And I want to really jump into what makes this game special because you said it before, Mike, 
And it's true. Smash Brawl on the Wii in 2008, people thought it was a step back. It was slower paced. The graphics were nice, but people did not like the speed, the this pacing. I think that's where you started slipping over banana peels or slipping over nothing. It looked yeah, you like just, you, you just started. You just tripping. started to tripping, and it was you started to trip, and it was stupid. Like it yeah. wasn't a good move. Like it was, it was a really not, bad call. They made a lot of bad calls on Brawl, and some people think that's like the ugly, ugly duckling of the Smash series, but. I think that's yeah. why, like you said, melee kind of stayed on years and years later. Yeah, for sure. And like, it's an ugly duckling that's not going to be a swan. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh, it gets better. No, brawl is bad. Now, I know a lot of people like Project M, which is that brawl homebrew where they kind of took all the brawl characters and they made them like the melee versions of those characters and added a few things. Uh, I forget what else they added, but I think there's a I think there's a zero suit Samus in there with green hair to meet like the, the Justin Bailey version of Samus. And there's a couple other characters that they added. I think there's a miss. Uh, there's some characters missing from brawl that were in melee and there's some other stuff. So that's really it. And I know that I play a lot of smash ultimate now. And I know that this is smash ultimate's like the first one that the, the community has like accepted as like a worthy successor. Yeah. People thought that on the Wii U smash, Four, I believe they called yeah, it, yeah. was a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But Melee fans were still not fully on board. I agree with you. I think it is now Smash Ultimate that finally people are starting to say, all right, I'm not going to be a snob. I think this game's good. It's It, it really technically is very good. So I want to ask you, Mike, because I know you're a Mega Man guy. I know you got a few other characters you use. Who was your main back in 2001, 2002? Yeah, it's hard because looking through all the characters and I'm like, I forget who was actually who I actually used in this game. And I think for a while I was playing as I think Link at the beginning for a bit and then maybe young Link. But I never really felt super comfortable with a lot of the me the melee characters. I definitely eventually I settled on I settled on playing as um, Dr. Mario. Dr. Mario ended up being my my go to character, which is stupid because he's not good. You were better off playing as Mario if you're going to play Dr. Mario versus Mario. But eh, what can you do? I was a kid. I didn't know any better. It was college. It was whatever it was, but it was fun. And yeah, I really didn't have like a real main in the series until until Ultimate, really, until Ultimate and and maybe a little bit of, of Smash 4 because I used Mega Man and Cloud a lot. And Ultimate, Ultimate's my favorite in the series. It's my favorite, but... I bought a GameCube in 2001, at the end of 2001, like the week after Christmas with like all of my Christmas gift money and gift cards. My brother and I went to Toys R Us and then we got a game, black GameCube, jet black GameCube with Melee and an extra controller. And it was a third party piece of garbage controller. And then we probably, went probably over Mad Cats, probably. Yeah, it was like Mad Cats or something. It was terrible. But we played Smash Brothers Melee nonstop non-stop to the point where like we had to leave the console on to unlock Mewtwo and our friends just came over and we played tons and tons and tons of Melee. And I think a lot of people had that same experience with how Melee kind of took over their friend group for a while. And it just seemed like the best game to play at the time. And you know what? I always say this consoles have to release and launch with a fighting game. I think that's very important. And Melee clearly launching with the GameCube or around when the GameCube came out, because I think it's a few days off. Yeah, GameCube release. launched in North America November 18th. And I think it was on like Luigi's Mansion and a couple other titles that released. It was actually a pretty mediocre launch. But then you got December 3rd, two weeks later, they delivered with Smash Brothers Melee. And that was huge. And it's interesting that you don't always get the best selling title on the GameCube. No. the second or third week that the console's out. No. And here, this became the best-selling game over by 2008, 7 million copies. That's, that's a huge, huge hit from day one. Yeah, which, like, though, looking at Ultimate's numbers, it's like, really? Like, Ultimate sold, like, what, like 30 million copies? So that's that's incredible. That's incredible to see. But also in 2001, things were different. Things were different. and But people are still playing this game like crazy. Like, yeah. Like mad, it's it's uh, it's remarkable how how well this is hung around, and it's awesome, and it's got a little bit of an adventure mode, which is fun, right? It's always fun when you throw an adventure mode in a in a fighting game like this, and 
that was a lot of fun to play in those days. And it's got your regular standard classic Super Smash Brothers. And then it's got endless hours of multiplayer because that's why you play these games. I, I don't even know why at this point, like full disclosure, I understand the importance of a single player mode in a game. I totally get that, especially in a fighting game. But Smash Brothers is not meant ever really to be a single player game, uh, very rarely. So the fact that even still with Ultimate in 2018, the fact that I had to unlock like 50 or 60 characters like the weekend the game came out so that I could enjoy it. It's kind of like, really, guys, like we just want to play as the characters. Just give us everything from the get go. And if you want, put a story mode in there. It's funny you say that, though, but. Part of the rush for me is unlocking these characters. And in some of the early games in the series, it'd be like a new challenger is approaching. You like win that battle to, to unlock the character. And there was something like very arcadey and fight game about fighting game about oh. that that I loved. For sure. But when you're someone like me who's always got a character that's that's definitely not going to be one of the first characters to play with, it's like, oh, I gotta play as Kirby for like five hours. I'd rather not. I like Kirby fine, but I don't like using him in Smash Brothers. Well, so back it's, in, it's, you know, yeah, I hear you. Back in 2001, this was my second game. Where I already had Fox McCloud as my main. And at this point, he was pretty elite. He was like top tier. And this is when he peaked. Yes. And this is when my Smash Brothers pe- play peaked as well. My character happened to be a little OP. And you'd be able to do those up kicks and just hit people all, all over the level. Who knew Fox McCloud had such strong legs? He's always flying in a cockpit. Well, that's the joke, right? That they have their legs replaced with like robot legs or whatever. Like that's always like the Star Fox rumor that to fly in their planes all the time, they replaced all the Star Fox pilots legs with robot legs. I love it. We don't know if that's true. It's probably not. But that's the that's part of the who knows the the mythos of, of Star Fox, like the the predicted mythos of Star Fox. But Star Fox and Fox and Falco were like the two best characters for a very, very long time. And what's beautiful about Melee is that the meta has changed constantly. Like a game that is 20 years old, like how would the meta change? Like how does the meta change? If you go back and play Street Fighter 2, Super Street Fighter 2, Turbo, it's not that different. The meta is not going to be that different than what it was in 1991, 1993, 94, whatever. But like I've seen the meta and the tier list for Super Smash Brothers Melee change so many times to where like at the beginning it was like, yep, it's Fox and Falco. Those are the only two characters you can use or Sheik. Fox, Falco and Sheik were like the best characters. And then later on, it's like, well, no, actually Jigglypuff is is top tier. Jigglypuff's the best character. And then I think more recently, uh, the last time I was at a Smash Brothers tournament that I had, I was running with uh, Long Island Retro Gaming, it seems now that the best character in Smash Brothers is either Marth or Captain Falcon. And that will change again. That will change again when someone finds some weird thing that breaks one other character because... With Smash Brothers Melee, unlike fighting games and Smash Brawl and things today, because there are no patches, you can't go in and update characters. And at the same time, you can't go in and update bugs and glitches and things that kind of break the game, like being a dodge in the air while you're on the ground. So there's a lot of technique to it. And if you're playing Smash Brothers Melee, you need to know how to use all these techniques if you want to play it. And now I know a lot of people trash Melee for that. They trash the Melee audience because they're like, oh, well, you're just using all these games. Everything that makes you good at the game would have been would have been patched out by now. And that, that is true. That That is true. Wave dashing would have been patched, patched out in if this was a more modern game. But like everyone in the community has to learn how to do it. So like it is part of the game now. It is part of the game, and it has been part of the game since the beginning. So it's not really a problem in my eyes. No, like you said, because it's part of the the old DNA. It's not living, breathing DNA like new games. It's part of the old DNA of this game. It's there. You have to learn it, or or you will be left forever in behind. The other thing, yes. Mike, that you brought up that's I think important to the series that we started getting Fire Emblem characters, which if yeah. you were in North America. You had no idea who the heck Martha and Roy were. Mike, did you know who these Fire Emblem characters were before this game came out? No, because I was I was like 14, I was like 15 years old when this game came out. So I didn't have a lot of exposure to I didn't have a lot of exposure to to Japanese 
games at this point. It's it's something that I think a lot of us who were in our teenage years when Smash Brothers Melee came out, a lot of us were first introduced to the Fire Emblem characters through this game. And because of the popularity of Smash Brothers Melee, they started bringing the Fire Emblem games over to the United States, whether they were on Game Boy Advance or on GameCube or eventually on Wii. And now Fire Emblem Three Houses sells what? How many millions of copies, right? And I think that all dates back to Melee. I think without Melee, I don't think we would see the popularity of characters like Martha and Roy and Fire Emblem in general. And that's awesome because Fire Emblem is a very crunchy strategy JRPG that, I mean, you get the capital J in JRPG and Fire Emblem to where like you got to date people and you got to make friends with people and you got to walk around this Hogwarts style battle school. And then you get in the battles that are take forever and have permadeath and all this stuff. But an American audience in 1995 might not have been as interested in that. And I think there would have been some people that were probably interested in something like that, like guys like me who really like Final Fantasy Tactics. But now Fire Emblem's a best-selling game on the Switch. Not a not the best-selling game, but it is a top-seller game on the Switch. It sold really well, and I think it dates back to Melee. And I've always loved that about the Smash Brothers series, is that it introduced you to new characters, but also remembered the old. You got here Mr. Game & Watch, which... People like you and me that were, were gamers might have known what a Game & Watch was, but the average person didn't. And then you had characters like Ice Climbers from the NES, which were not very well known. You had other characters that were introduced later in the series. From Punch-Out, you started getting characters from Duck Hunt. Games that were almost long forgotten, but the Smash Brothers series remembered them. And that's what I think love most about Smash Brothers. There's so many fighting games and party games out there, but they just... They represent the history of gaming and Nintendo so well, whether it's the trophies that you collect. And then when you collect those trophies, you get all this information about the trophies. And that's what I loved, Mike. I was absorbing and just breathing in and sponging all this information. It was so interesting to me. I had to collect every single trophy in this game. Yes, that was a huge deal. Getting all those trophies were great. And I would just sit there and look at them and read read the text for hours upon hours. And anytime I would get like a brand new trophy, it was like the coolest thing, especially like after I had collected. Yeah. There were some really obscure ones where I was like, I have no idea who this is. I'm spinning the model around. I'm reading the text, what year it's from. Well, like, yeah, of course, when you got stuff like Doshin the Giant in there as a trophy, or you got that monster truck that Mario and Luigi drive around in, in one of the games that never came over to the United States. You have characters from a Nintendo 64 DD game called July is in there. And that's, I think, a visual novel. Like, there's a bunch of stuff in there that, like, it's, 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 cla- it's Nintendo history. And I love that Smash Brothers in general, like you said, it's a history piece now. It's a museum piece. Because when you go to play Ultimate and you see all these characters, most of them, if they're not Nintendo, uh, first party Nintendo characters, they're a very important part of the Nintendo ecosystem and very important part of the history of Nintendo, whether it's Banjo-Kazooie, which is a very important character for Nintendo, or Mega Man, which was... Mega Man was... Those games were were NES games and Super NES games, and obviously he jumped over to the PlayStation and is now was now multi-platform. Mega Man was very much a Nintendo-based character. Cloud doesn't work in that, in that mind frame, but Final Fantasy does. And if you're going to choose... Granted, there's two representatives from Final Fantasy now. If you're going to choose one Final Fantasy character to represent the whole series, and I'm sorry to everyone out there who likes to bash Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VII is the biggest one. It's the biggest one in the series. It's got the big, most clout. So it's great when you go back to play Melee, and it's just a Nintendo piece. But as you get away from Melee, and you go through Brawl, and you go through 4, and you go through Ultimate, it's become a place where it's like, we're just going to put Everything, anyone who's anyone in essentially mostly Japanese video games, anyone who's anyone needs to be here. And it's an important part of the history. And like Ultimate has also has a a great pedigree of fighting game history with Terry and Kazuya and and Ryu and Ken. And I still think Chun-Li should have been there. But it's one of those things where it's nice to see that Smash Brothers has become like this ultimate crossover where it, it always was, but it was very much an in-house crossover game. And Melee was a game that really started to push the limits 
of what characters we could include in this game. Like you said, Mr. Game and Watches, like he's not even really like a character, right? He's kind of like a collection of of the Game and Watch motif, and he's an annoying piece of garbage, and I hate him. And and then there's like Martha and Roy. People didn't know Ice Climbers, where that game is total trash. Let's let it be let it be known. There are some bad Nintendo games out there, folks. I'm gonna make there's a hot take. Games. I'm gonna add to that. Pit, who joined in later games, I think the game Kid Icarus on the NES is garbage. I've tried playing it so many times, and I don't even know why the character is beloved because he's never had a good video game. Now I haven't played the, the 3DS one, but I have never played a good Kid Icarus Pit video uh, Pit video game. People like. Kid Icarus Uprising, but I heard it kind of trashes your 3DS screen because you got to yeah. like scratch it with the, with Hold the, with it the weird with the or something. Yeah, I'm not doing that garbage. I'm <laughs> sick of that. I'm sick of your gyroscope nonsense. I'm done. I'm done. We 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 left it in the we left it in the aughts. Just <laughs> I don't care anymore. I'm not playing. I'm not doing gyroscope stuff. But Nintendo has <laughs> Nintendo's got some bad games. Nintendo has three awful games that I will name right now. One, Ice Climber stinks. That game was never good. It's never going to be good. The platforming's bad. Bad. The, the jumping the, the, is the jumping, horrific. The movement, everything about that game. Continue. But I love them in Smash Brothers. Like, of don't, course. don't get me wrong. Same I love with, the Ice Climbers. Same thing with Pit. Same thing with all these. You know, game and yeah. Watch. You might think he's trash. I think he's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, he's <laughs> he's. I hate him, but I love him because I like Trash Matt. I'm a fan of trash. I'm a fan of absolute total. The second bad game that Nintendo has made, Kid Icarus is bad. It's a bad game. You're right. It's not good. It's not good at all. But I love that Pit is in later games. I'm surprised he wasn't in earlier games. But hey, what can you do? An urban champion needs to die. We all need to just go to Nintendo and be like, guys, listen, it's like fetch. Urban champion ain't happening, dudes. It's not happening. It's never going to happen. No one is ever going to want to play urban champion. You have Street Fighter. Just do your best to put Street Fighter on all of your consoles and you will be fine because nobody will ever care about Urban Champion ever again. And I really hope that Sony doesn't go and buy Capcom and break my heart. We could talk about that another time. <laughs> but no, Smash Brothers Melee, is, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing piece. It's an amazing piece of Nintendo history. Unbelievable in terms of how tight the controls are, how fast and tight the controls are. Like a game that moves that fast at 60 frames a second. Yeah, I think it moves at 60, right? It plays at 60, right? I think it does. And I think this game is an achievement in the visuals, the speed, the stages got bigger. I mean, if everyone remembers the the Hyrule level, you're there's an area up top, then you go down like this like cliff. There's the bottom area, there's the area on the right. And this is where you really got the scope of the melee levels because in 64, they were kind of on the smaller side. I think the Yoshi level is a little bigger. There were a few, but the size and scope of some of these levels, and we haven't talked about it, but the Smash Brothers series has become almost like a collection of gorgeous music. I mean, orchestrated soundtracks, classic tracks, remixes. They really do a great uh, homage to all Nintendo music. I pirated like all this music from Melee back when I was 15 and 16 years old on Kazaa. My computer then slowly died a slow, slow, painful death for months after I downloaded tons of music on Kazaa. I'm sorry. It happened. I was 15. And guess what, folks? It's not like this music is available anywhere else that isn't YouTube. So that's all we could do. Okay. So if you wanted to get video game music, you had to spend hundreds of dollars on CDs to import from Japan. Or you went or on you had Napster to or Kazaa, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. You kazaa it. And you know what? The Melee versions of the songs from the classic Nintendo games are great. Yeah. I still love the Dr. Mario version on there. That's the, the first experience with the Fire Emblem music. The Hyrule Temple theme that they use in that Hyrule Temple stage is so good. That's actually probably my favorite of the Melee stages because it's gigantic. And there's so many different areas on that stage where you could fight and there's a meme that breaks down Hyrule Temple because if you're playing with four players you kind of have to play on that stage yeah no it gives you a lot of space so there's there's a lot of good stuff to unpack here when it comes to Smash Melee Uh, I want to throw a couple of uh, bits of statistics before we uh, close this one out first off as you said 25 characters or 26 if you're including Sheik and Zelda each is one. You started with 14, there were 11 to unlock. It is important to mention, not only were there more stages, 
that were larger and more active, but there were a lot more items. And those started to be big homages to Nintendo games. You started to get, and again, who plays with items? I'm, Mike's making a face. If you're Chumps. hardcore. <laughs> Chumps play with items. Items off, Final Destination, three stock. Boom. Or Battlefield. The other fun event modes, besides uh, what Mike stated earlier, is you also had those home run contests, the target tests, the all-star mode. And my personal favorite was event mode, where they'd create these like, oh, yeah. predetermined situations yeah. where like you're Mario saving Princess Peach from Bowser. And they had all these cool situations where they changed the size of the characters, put you on a level and create like a storyline. And I really, really enjoyed those little events. I think there were about 50 of them or give or take. Yeah, there was a bunch of them. And then you would beat you if after you beat all of the original, there was like another like they doubled it up to where like you have to fight like like Giga Bowser. I think Giga Bowser was only played that way. I think you're right. Yeah. That was pretty cool. So there were a lot. I, of- I don't. I don't like Giga Bowser, Matt. I, he confuses me and, and makes oh, he's me so cool. He reminds me of like <laughs> Ultimate Shredder. Like I just think like I love like being a Dragon Ball fan. I just love any like transformation, like yeah. Frieza. Like I just love it all. But his face is so weird. <laughs> it's unsettling. It's an unsettling face. That's it's better than wet or dry Bowser. I mean, dry Bowser, not wet. Dry Bowser, Bowser not wet. <laughs> regular Bowser. Is, see, if there's dry Bowser, then that <laughs> that goes to tell you that regular Bowser is wet Bowser. Oh man, <laughs> the, the dark internet. Um, a couple of last things, as you mentioned, Evo was this is one of the first Nintendo games that really became very Evo focused as far as tournaments because of its fast pace and offensive style. And I love Evo. I, I, love I love it. I love anything where competition, fighting games, love it. To this day, I will watch when I'm having a bad week. And I think I've said this before many times in this show. I will watch Ken parry Chun Li's kicks, Daigo Umahara parrying Justin Wong's. Oh, it's like 16 super, blocks or something. It's something insane. He parries it incredibly well. He does an air parry and then he wins the match and the place erupts. And this was before Evo was like gigantic. This was like early Evo with Street Fighter 3. I love that. But I'm having a bad week. Just like that, because at the end, when someone does some final smash and knocks someone off and everyone jumps up and, and, and just goes nuts, there's nothing like it. And that's why this game is considered, Mike, one of the greatest games ever made. This game is considered probably the most famous in the Smash series. It's most important, I think, in the Smash series. And I don't know if we'll talk about any other Smash games, maybe we'd get to Ultimate one day. Oh, but oh, come on. Ultimate, Ultimate for sure. It deserves yeah, dude. its place. Ultimate's better than Melee. What? <laughs> Sorry, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. But Ultimate's really good. Really, it, really it good. is. And I think no one would argue that. Now, we did mention this game sold some 7 million copies. And part of that, Mike, is this game, I don't know if you remember this, because it doesn't happen in 2022 anymore. But several years after this game came out, it was packed in with the GameCube for $99 new. Can you wrap your mind around getting a console with a controller with Smash Melee for $99? I've spent a hundred bucks on a lot worse. I'll tell you right now, I've spent multiple hundreds of dollars on a lot worse than, than that. That might be one of the best gaming deals in history. A GameCube, which is already good. You know what, haters? You can leave. A GameCube, which is already good, with like one of the best fighting games ever made, hours of entertainment. That 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 deal right there, GameCube for ninety nine bucks for Smash Brothers Melee. That's five hundred hours of entertainment. For I remember bucks. when the Wii they did that like remodel of it where it didn't yeah. have some features, but it had Mario Kart came with it, the Mario Kart Wii, and that was a hundred bucks. And that was the game's not as good, but you could play all the GameCube games, I think, on it. So I don't, it's still a good value, but you'll never see that in 2022. You will never see a $99 Switch with Smash Brothers. Mario Kart Wii is the worst Mario Kart. <laughs> I'll take the GameCube with the best Smash Brothers. I'm with you. Before, I, I, you know, but you, you know, can I, play I, I like all Ultimate. GameCube games on the Wii, so there is that feature to it. If they if they didn't take out GameCube functionality, they might have taken it out. I'm not because sure. Because that, so. that little red, that little red Wii. Yeah. No, nah, man. No, no. thanks. We stinks. That's Nintendo's <laughs> worst console. That's Nintendo's worst console. We're going to have to do a Hall of Shame, Mike. We're going to have to. You know, what's funny. It's like I would normally say if someone goes to what's Nintendo's worst console, like the Wii sold like crazy, but the game's library on it's trash. But think about it. The GameCube, if this sold 7 million, 
Like what other oh. games were there? I mean, you got Metroid no. Primes, you got no. you got Mario Sunshine, you got some other, you got Wind Waker, but nothing else sold seven million. That's it. Game might have been Cube, their disappointing. GameCube drought was real. Like as a GameCube guy, I had a PlayStation Two as well. But like you as had a GameCube to have guy, a, a PS Two or an Xbox, you had to. No one knew the true pain <laughs> of E three two thousand three. Oh, we're gonna reveal the big one: Pac Man versus. I almost beat someone to death. With my GameCube, that was, Sorry, that was no, one of the I, I darkest, one of the darkest days, you know, uh, of my life, and that means my life's pretty good. But that was a hey, dark man. E3 reaction, guys. That's where it comes from. The IGN staff just miserable, miserable. Yeah. So we'll see. But Smash Brothers Melee, it started a trend. It was a trendsetter, and it kicked the door open and made Smash Brothers what it is. It's totally. it's it's amazing. It's it's so good. And Smash Brothers, in my opinion, ha- has dipped, but it's back to where it needs to be. Ultimate is really just the ultimate Smash experience, but it wouldn't be here without Melee. No, this is when I think I-, I can say for myself, I played the game the most consistently was at this time. Everyone played the 64 game. I'm sure you played. Everyone played a bit of the Wii and Wii U and plenty of the Switch Ultimate. But this is when I played Peaks- P- Peak Smash Brothers. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were in high school. So like... Friday nights, Saturday nights, days off from school, snow days, you name it. This is what you did. You had four people over the house, three people over the house, and you played Smash Brothers until everyone had to go home. And uh, yeah, this was a blood sport. This was a blood sport at the house. This was a blood sport between me and my friends. Ultimately, we would choose blood. We would choose a different blood sport when Super Mario Strikers came out. I don't even don't. I don't know why Strikers isn't that great of a game, but man. Was were we murderous over Strikers? There's nothing more fun though than playing Smash Brothers or one of those four-player GameCube games because I think a lot of the multiplayer games on GameCube are actually better than their N64 counterparts. And playing Smash Brothers Melee in a room with like eight or nine people or ten people, just switching off controllers is is still some of the best gaming memories I've ever had. Yeah, we got there. The official Smash Brothers controller, which decades later people are still using. We got. Smash Competitive, which it was a very casual, fun party game. This is where it got real. And I think we'll all remember the launch of the GameCube and that holiday season getting Smash Melee, a game that will forever be remembered. Oh, yeah. Forever and ever. Yeah. So we will induct into our Hall of Fame Smash Brothers Melee from 2001, the GameCube sensation. And we will then phase into a corner of our podcast that I've named the M&M corner where Mike and Matt will share what games they've been playing. So Mike, you're up first. Well, after I unlocked Sonic and Tails and Super Smash Brothers Melee, I decided to <laughs> I decided to sit down and play some video games. I finished Ace Attorney, Apollo Justice Ace Attorney, and it was great. Great DS. The DS and the 3DS are excellent consoles, and they, I I didn't miss out on them completely. I played some stuff on them, but I've been like rediscovering handheld gaming, and yeah, man, like those games are great. So I finished I finished Apollo Justice, which is lovely, and then I I got into a series that I really don't have a lot of experience with, which is stupid because my favorite game of all time is Super Mario RPG: Legend of the Seven Stars. I started playing Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga because, Matt, I, I got paranoid that the, the Nintendo 3DS eShop was going to close up and I wasn't going to be able to buy any games anymore. So I was like, I got money. I'm going to spend money on 3DS games. And I bought a bunch of digital 3DS games and they're on my DS. I got a giant memory card for my 3DS. And it's like I got like a, a terabyte card. So it fits like the whole library. And I bought a bunch of games. One of them I bought was Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Now, is that the first in the series? That's the first in the series remade. So the original game was on the Game Boy Advance and they remade it. So it's on the Wii U too. It's on the Wii U Virtual Console. But they remade it for 3DS and it was like 20 bucks and it's great. It's great. It feels like much more of a successor to... Super Mario RPG than like Paper Mario. Time hits are still very important to the game. It kind of feels like they took Paper Mario and Mario RPG and like mashed them together because you go into these different kingdoms, you're meeting these different characters, you're fighting enemies that are kind of like the Mario enemies, but there's also new enemies that, that they throw in there that you have to fight as well. Mario and Luigi are the only two members in your party. It's a turn-based, kind of almost like 
rhythm-based fighting game because you're a combat because you still have to time your hits in time to the game and like the music. The music is really important. They bring back Yoko Shimomura to do the music, who's one of my favorite video game composers. And this game is great. And it's got a lot of, lot of love for Nintendo and it's got a lot of great classic Nintendo charm. Uh, references in it and charm. charm. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's the writing in these games are so funny and so good and so charming. That was their levels up and gear and yeah, everything and things everything. like that. Well, that would definitely get me into it. I've, I, this is a blind spot for me, Mike, and I've always seen these games and I sometimes skip down on some of these handheld titles, but I've heard some people say that they like this over the Paper Mario series. I like Paper Mario a lot and I have to play I have to play Thousand Year Door. Uh, that's going to be one of the first games I play when I get my GameCube back. But I, I so far my time with Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, I prefer this to Paper Mario. I think it's a bit more expansive. I like that there's equipment. Now you don't change your we- you don't change your weapons like you do in like an, any other RPG, but you equip different different armor that will raise your stats. There are like pins you can wear, so there's like three different things you can equip each character with. You gain experience and you level up. Mario and Luigi are a little different, and what's also cool is that there's platforming to it. It's like isometric platforming to where Mario and Luigi actually have these moves they can use while they're out walking around the world where they could do a high jump or you'll smash Luigi with a hammer into the ground so he can pop up under a gate or like they'll do this thing where like Mario will jump on Luigi's shoulders and they do this tornado jump so that you can go further. So there's this really fun platforming element to it. There's a lot. The battles are great. The battles are snappy and fun. The music's really rhythmic and just a blast. And the 3DS version is awesome because they update the graphics. It's kind of got like a pseudo almost 3D look to it. It's really good. And I was kind of like kicking myself for not being into this because like this is my brand like 1000%. I put up a list of like my favorite RPGs of all time or top 10 RPGs of all time. And Super Mario RPG is my favorite game and it's my favorite RPG. And like the fact that I totally missed out on like the four games that came out in this Mario and Luigi series are five. I, I don't really care about like Paper Jam and like the stuff that brings in Paper Mario because I feel like they get a little weak by that point. But from what I gather, the first three games in the series are all excellent. And I will probably play all of them throughout this year. Not back to back to back. I, I want to play Pokemon Legends Arceus next. And I would love to play. I'm interested to get involved with the, uh, the Professor Layton video games because I want to play the crossover with Ace Attorney. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But I'm loving you know, Mario & Luigi Superstar. Mike, what Saga. I find out is that so many of these franchises that you sleep on, I judged Pikmin and I judged even some of the Metroid games for years. And then you go back and you actually play them and you're like, man, they, they know what they're doing. And sometimes people just, oh, it's Mario, Zelda, Mario, Zelda. When you go back to some of these classic franchises that have been around and the Mario and Luigi RPG series, they've several games in the series. They've been around now for probably close to 15 to 20 years. And there's a reason why they're still around. So I'm excited to hear as you play more of them, if you do highly recommend them, because that would definitely be in my radar. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's one of those things where, where this game, this game, I think came out like early, like probably mid two thousands. I think 2003 is when this one came out. And Alpha Dream, unfortunately, the company that made them shut down. They're no longer with us. But I don't know if that means that they'll never be back. I think it's one of those things where Nintendo might hire some of these folks to make more. Yeah, I think especially on the Switch, there is, there is room for a series of Mario RPGs I that agree. sell 3, 4 million units. There is a place for them. There's yeah. a place for them. Uh, so, <laughs> Mario can go in a lot of different genres of games. Even if there's a Paper Mario, Paper Mario has become very different. And it's it's kind of gotten away from its more RPG roots. And I think a, a series like this could definitely uh, be on the Switch. So very cool, Mike. Some awesome stuff from you. We look forward to hearing more about that. There are two games that I want to talk about. The first Ooh. being one, one I teased. And the reason I haven't brought it back since is because I played two hours of it, then haven't gone back to it. And that's not because I didn't love it. And that is Earthbound. Yeah. Classic Super Nintendo RPG. And I'm, I fell in love instantly and I'm not playing it the most legal way, the most accessible way. So I'm going to get more to it, but right now it's not easy to get playtime to, to play it. Um, I'm hoping it'll become more accessible in the future where I can play it on a switch or something of that of that matter, or maybe I'll get my Wii U hooked up again and get it on the shop. But 
for now, this is, uh, I'm not using the most, uh, my moral choices could be better in, in playing this game, but they, they, I have, I, I blame them. They can only blame themselves for that. Yeah. I mean, what can you do? They got to release it in more places. I played it on the super Nintendo mini or the super Nintendo classic edition, yep. which was great. I was completely taken off guard with how good earthbound was. Cause I was like, how good could this be? And, and here we are 25 awesome. years later, whatever it is. I don't know exactly when it came out, probably 25 years or so, but yeah, it, I'm just looking at like the artwork, the music, the characters, the combat system. I just fell in love instantly. And I know I'm going to play this game to fruition because I like everything from that from that era. But I needed something more mobile and accessible. So I played through a silly little platformer called Songs for a Hero Definitive Edition. And this wow. game, I, I didn't it- know that there was a regular edition. So that's nice. <laughs> it came out originally on Steam. And then the definitive edition came to the Switch with some DLC. And this game is a simple action platformer. It looks like something from the SNES era, which instantly pulls me in. And I played oh, another- already good. Yeah. I mean, I played a game called Goblin Sword a couple years ago, which is very simple, like mobile looking game. This at least looks and feels like something a little more polished. It's a full game. I beat it in about four to five hours, but it's awesome. It's got everything you want from like a game of that era where you're getting upgrades and new abilities and you get a double jump and then you're getting more hearts and more items and you can unlock more areas of the stages and you can explore. So there's everything that sucked me in. I don't want to spoil it, but something really cool actually happens like 80% into this game. Anyone that wants to play it, it's a quick play. Uh, it's a cool okay. little plot twist, which was, was kind of interesting. I like a good plot twist. <laughs> but it's a silly game what the basically the 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 i'd say the sell on this game is you're this hero and there's a narrator singing every single thing you do in the game so if you stand still if you get hit by an enemy if you go to a new area somehow the game must have an auto detect what you're doing and the technology is really cool where you almost feel like it's sometimes the step behind but mostly it knows exactly what you're doing and you have this clever kind of like poem rhymes being sung to you as you play. And it's pretty neat. I like that. I like that. That's that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a cool little charming, fun little four to five hour game. So it is sometimes overpriced on the shop at like 25, 30 bucks. I think I paid 20 for it, but it's definitely worth you know keeping an eye out for. I got a lot of Nintendo gold points that I can use. <laughs> so we'll see. So that's what I've been playing. As you said, uh, we got a big Pokemon game coming out this week. So I'm sure... Me and Mike will have some impressions of that coming for you soon. Yeah, it's either the best or the worst. So you'll find out. <laughs> the internet will either start fires and, and you know, oh. hang billboards and, and boycott it to anything, or this will be the best thing since sliced bread. I can't wait for the war that's coming. The war is coming, folks, and it's called Pokemon Legends Arceus. I think this game is going to... Listen... I don't know how I feel. I don't think it's going to be bad. I don't know if it's going to be great. I don't know if it's going to be terrible. I don't know. Everything I saw, I've seen from it is I'm still a little confused as to what it is, but the internet has already chosen that this game is either the best thing of the year or the worst thing of the year. And before they even play it, they're going to fight about it. And I'm here for it. If we're being perfectly honest, have any of the Pokemon games, like the core games, been absolutely trash. I mean, most of them are solid games. No. Have any of them been absolute trash? No, and the internet hated on Pokemon Sword and Shield. Those games are great. It's so a really good game. Really good. Get out of here with that garbage. <laughs> Why did you? Because the problem is, is that Pokemon is not the same as it was. But you know what? It is the same as it was when you were 10. The game never changed. You changed. Pokemon is the same game it was 30 years ago, and 25 years ago. About it. It's comfort and it's great. Yes. It's, it's Every day, I, I, Matt, I like a bowl of spaghetti, Matt. <laughs> I know what's in the bowl of spaghetti. I love gluten, being a gluten-free bowl, and I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rice, rice spaghetti, or buckwheat spaghetti, but or whatever they make. Games that you don't want them to change too much, and this might be a fun little departure. But they're going to stick to the core games as well. Yeah, of course. I think this game could be really cool if it's like this kind of more exploratory like kind of wilderness game, which it seems like it's got a bit of that in it. Now, you can't compare stuff to Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is like one of the best games ever made. So like it's hard. It's hard to be behind that eight ball, but I'm very excited to see this. I see this game come out and I'm excited to play it. Hopefully it allows me to transfer my save file from my switch. So hopefully it uses cloud saves because I like bringing my switch 
light on the road and then I can play play it on my TV when I Pokemon get home. Pokemon doesn't usually let you do that. So we will shall see because I think on Pokemon Diamond, I wasn't able to do that. No, but... you can't because they they don't want you to cheat. But like, exactly. I don't know if these Pokemon are going to be transferable to the main games. So we'll see. We shall see. So thank you, as always, Mike. Where can people out there on the big, grand, giant internet find you? Sure, you can find me here on the Hall of Fame podcast featuring video games every week. You can also find me on my other podcast, How About This? We are coming back in February with brand new episodes of season two, starting with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which should be very... You can also find me with my band, Bad Mary. You can find us at badmary.com or just search out Bad Mary Band wherever music is uh, delivered to you. And you can also then check out Long Island Retro Gaming or LI Retro as uh, we continue to plan for our big Long Island Retro Gaming Expo happening this August. It's going to happen. It's going to be in person. There's going to be people there. We're going to see you in public. There's going to be cosplayers and vendors and free play and arcade units. And just it's we I need it bad. I need to get back to it. We need to get hopefully, hopefully everything is safe and people are healthy and we don't have to worry about lockdowns and shutdowns anymore by August. But we're, we're holding out. Keeping our fingers crossed and holding out for hope. So check out Long Island Retro Gaming. They're an amazing group of people. It sounds like a nice dream. I hope it happens. I really yes, I do. Know. Because looking at the state of things now, but yeah, it's follow all those wonderful things that Mike is a part of. Please, guys, leave a review. Talk to us on the social media. Listen to our back catalog. Tell your friends. We are growing, but we could always use a bit more. So thank you for all the support and love. We got a lot more great content coming your way. And we hope you guys... Play those video games, be safe, and we'll see you all next time. Later. From Mike and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Game Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.